Hi, this is Bill Corbett, author of the book Love, Limits, and Lessons, and executive producer and host of the television show Creating Cooperative Kids. Thanks for downloading and listening to this new podcast series that will offer interviews with experts, clips from my television show, excerpts from my parent coaching sessions, and even my interviews on the radio. Each podcast will feature help for parents and professionals who live or work with children and teens, so you'll want to subscribe to the entire series. This podcast features an interview I did on the Think Like a Black Belt radio talk show. The show host Jim Bouchard is the author of the book Think Like a Black Belt, and he asked me an important question. How can parents help their children take accountability for homework? In this 20-minute interview, I offer a four or five simple step process that parents can take to empower their children to assume this responsibility. Let's listen in to the interview now. Hey, listen, we've got an old friend on the line. Okay, well, a new old friend, I should say. We, I think we met Bill uh, last year when he was on our a guest on the show, and then uh, went down to to be on his Cooperative Kids television show, which right. is a wonderful, wonderful show. Uh, you can get that show to air on your cable access uh, channel. All you're gonna, all you need to do is give Bill a shout, and he'll tell you how to do that. So. Let's welcome on the show for this back-to-school special, Bill Corbett. Bill, thanks for being with us. Hey, guys. Alex, Jim, good to hear from you. <laughs> good to hear your voice again. Glad to be on the show. So how do we get how do we get the little darlings to school with <laughs> the right attitude and the right equipment? <laughs> well, um, what the, the real way to get kids, uh, you know, to want to take responsibility for school, it starts with homework because that's the big connection that connects parents with school. When you send your kids off to school, they are the responsibility of the school system. But when they come home, your big connection is their homework. And one of the last things that we want to do is just repeat the cycle of what our parents did, which were they're breathing their hot breath over our shoulders <laughs> as, they're, as they're leaning over us, pointing to the worksheets, going, come on, come on, you know what two times two is, let's go. Right, and right. and then we you know, a battle ensues between the child and the parent. And so when I help parents transitioning, I like to help them before school even begins. Now, while some school systems in the South and the West have already started, there's a lot in New England on the East Coast. They're, they're, they don't begin until September. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now is a good time to begin that process right. of helping your kids take accountability for their homework through a simple um, – four- to five-step process that I help parents with. But, but yeah, let's go into some of the steps because the thing is, too, and I, I'm always, I know the, the kids uh, think it's a joke, but I'm not joking. <laughs> you know, I tell them, hey, you, you don't have enough homework. Ask your teacher for more. And through the summertime, it's, it's kind of interesting because, to me, bored is a choice. And I know, Bill, you, you and I have talked about this a little bit. When I hear kids say, I'm bored, well, you know what? How about this? Let's, let's find a book that's going to interest you. Let's do something. Let's find a project that you're going to do. And I, I think that's a valuable thing to do through the summer. But let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about the steps that you that you've outlined. Uh, we so, also, yeah. Let's make sure we get back to promote. You've got a wonderful book too, Love Limits and lessons. Why am I? Yeah, Love Limits and Lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, it's actually a book series because I just uh, came out with volume two. God bless you. And and, uh, <laughs> and and now it's in in Spanish too for Spanish speaking families. So nice. it's helping them with that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, the basic steps, let's cover the first one. Uh, wow. So it, I think you're and it, it, <laughs> and, and it's all uh, it's all about setting things up in advance, like what you mm-hmm. mentioned with Mike Storm, you know, setting things up in advance. 
And when you successfully set things up in advance with your kids, your job actually becomes easier because now yeah. you're just a coach making sure that they're guided in the right direction, but you're, you're hands-off. You have to be hands-off, and that's uh, children who won't take responsibility for their homework know that they have a parent who's, who's responsible for it. You know, I like to compare it to like driving. If uh, if you're an adult and you're going with your significant other, and you happen to be the one in the in the relationship who usually rides and and rarely drives, the rider rarely pays attention to where all the turns that we took, right? Because you know somebody's at the wheel mm-hmm. in charge, mm-hmm. and and because so what happens is parents put themselves too much in the driver's seat, so kids don't pay attention and they don't feel like they have accountability to get it done. Oh, you, you are so right in that respect, absolutely, because you know, I remember arguing with a parent a couple of years ago uh, because she was going to go rip the strip off the teacher mm-hmm. for her daughter flunking a, an assignment, and her daughter had already told me about it. She didn't turn the paper in, but the, the problem was that that prohibited her or disqualified her from participating in a cheering tournament or something, right. and, and to me, I said, hey, you know what? Uh, that's not the worst thing that could happen. And mom was just adamant about it. She said, well, no, it's going to affect her later on. She should know that there's extracurricular activities. I said, hey, you know what? The kid's in junior high. Nobody's going to care that she flunked an assignment, you know, 10 years from now when Mm -hmm. she's going for a job. Uh, I think the most valuable lesson, as you're saying, is to hold her accountable and just make sure she understands, hey, you know what? This in the real world, this is what happens yeah. when you don't do your work. There's consequences. You don't and get the, con- the cheering. You don't get the cheering. Uh, you when you're in right. when you're in school, when you're in, uh, out there in the real world, you don't get the promotion. You don't get the job. Right. You don't get the assignment. And a failing grade is is a it's a signal. It's an indicator. It should be a learning experience. No. Yeah, absolutely. And and the process that parents need to go through is you set things up in advance to give them the accountability when a child knows what's expected of them and the parent actually backs off. The mm-hmm. child will take over. I mean, it's the same like being a black belt at work. You know, you, you step into a new position, uh, start working in a new office, and they outline your job description. The best kind of leadership says, now go do it. Right. And let right. them go doing it without breathing down their neck, leaning over their shoulders, You're typing on the keyboard practically yeah. for them, you know. Right. And it builds accountability, human accountability. Like, hey, I know what the boundaries are. Now let me go take, let me have the autonomy to go do it. So the first step, here's the first step in the series of four steps for parents. The first one is the supplies. It's the parent's responsibility to make sure that the child has the appropriate supplies. And how you do that is you take your kid school shopping, and most parents do that. But it's how they do it that's, that's uh, a little bit off. So I encourage parents... You actually take the child to the school supply store. Like you pick pick a name brand office office store, or you know even a discount store like Walmart or Kmart or something. Whatever you decide, and you actually hand the money to the child and say, "Here's the twenty bucks to ten bucks, whatever you're going to need for your supplies." In fact, you can even say, "This is all you can spend." Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. give them the money, put it in their hand. You have them take the carriage or pick up a handbasket, and you walk with them. But you let them decide what they think they'll need for the supplies. That way, when you're alongside the child, if they make a poor choice, you're there as a coach not to demand, but say, you know what, how about this instead? But the, but the biggest part is the child is holding the handbasket, holding mm-hmm. the money, making the decision, and you can even, uh, in advance, at home, set up a list in advance so the child has a shopping list. Right, so then right. you actually let them pick the items, go to the register, Mm-hmm. Pay for the items at the register, and that that 
it, that makes them feel like, whoa, I did this. This is well, my stuff. You're just about to use those filthy two words, personal responsibility, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm genius! Yeah, they, they become vested in the process before exactly. they, yeah. Yeah, before exactly. they even Absolutely. get to yeah, that makes So you bring sense. those things home, and now you need to have a place to put them. Mm-hmm. So step two is determining where the homework will be done. And so you and you help the child determine the most appropriate place, which now, is not in front of the television set. <laughs> right, right. And so, and because you're doing it with the child, you're not the autocratic power like our parents were. You right. can talk to the child and say, "Where do you think would be a good place to do your homework?" So if they say in front of the television with it on, you can say, "Ah, that's really interesting that you suggested that." However, I'm not willing to support that. How about here instead? So it's, you're, you're, all, you're making the child feel respected because you're speaking to them respectfully and you're together coming up with a place where it's appropriate. Now, it depends on the, the temperament of the child. Some children can sit at the dining room table with heavy traffic going back and forth and still do the homework. Others might need a little alcove or, or tucked away somewhere where they have a little bit of you know, quiet time to do it. So it right. all depends on the child as the exact place. So it could be the dining room table. It could be in their room um, without, with less distractions, depending on your, the, the temperament of the child. But right. Wherever you decide to do it, you establish where it's going to be, and then you make it official that this becomes the homework spot. Yeah. And I encourage parents, you know, even get one of those little banker lamps for them, and sure. then they take all yeah. their supplies and set them up so that they have an organized spot to actually do the homework. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, this is a changing paradigm because back in the day, the kitchen was often, a, you know, a spot for homework. A couple of kids would be doing you know, homework at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that these days. I wouldn't support that, to use your words, because back then, you know, when I was a kid, you actually had to make food, you know, to eat it. Right. And now there's so much there. And, of course, the brain uses uh, 12 times the the energy draw of any other organ in the body. Mm-hmm. And that's why when we're working intensely mentally, we're hungry. And if you've got a bunch of junk food sitting around ready to go, and you're sitting at that kitchen, you're going to eat. So that's that's my take on the kitchen table. Thing. Yeah. And, and But the, on the same at the same time, if you think about doing homework in your room, yeah. you know, when we were kids, we didn't have computers. You know, so it, it and you didn't because you're old. Well, <laughs> you're older than I am by six months. Okay, let's let not even so there go, go there. But my point is that, and I'm sure that you run into this all the time, Bill, with kids that are trying to do homework in their rooms, and they have their own computer and their phone and all these other potential distractions in their in their bedroom. Yeah, the cell phone that goes with them. Right, and they might be you know tempted to text or get on Facebook or MySpace or any of those things, which which is going to distract them from the task well, at hand. Well, we say no computers in the damn room. Anyway, well, that would right? be my that would be yeah. Yeah, that would be our decision is that, frankly, if, they, if I, we had kids, that we would have the computer in the kitchen where it was a, a community location. So that kind of thing wasn't going to be happening. It would also give us the opportunity to monitor, you know, other unsavory behavior that can go on. <laughs> but, but I'm just talking about if let's say the kid does have a computer in his or her room and that's been the established homework spot. You know, what, what advice can you offer parents to make sure that they're actually up there doing homework and they're not just chatting with their friends on Facebook? Yeah, well, I'm a big supporter of electronics. The only electronics that belong in the bedroom is an alarm clock. There you, you know, go. and I, I might even support a boombox, you know, to have some music, appropriate music. But um, what we do, we still have a 13-year-old at home, and uh, she can do homework in her in her room that does not require the computer. So mm-hmm. there's a still, they still bring home a lot of worksheets and things. Mm-hmm. But when they need to refer to the textbook on the on the internet. 
that's where it's done out on the dining room table. Now, the dining room is not, in our home, is not main traffic. It's mm-hmm. kind of set off to the side, so mm-hmm. she can still, you know, concentrate. But the rule of our house is computers never enter the bedrooms. Amen. And, and yep. other like other portable devices like that. I'm loving you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so let's get to step three. Uh, So I know we're running out of time. Um, Step three is once you establish the supplies, once you establish um, where the homework's done, the next step is when will the homework be done? So you allow the child (laughs) to come up with what the schedule is going to be. Some some children are able to actually start working on homework as soon as they come home. Mm -hmm. Others might need a break, you know, uh, half an hour, an hour before they actually begin so that, that they have that that time to transition. But we actually, we actually encourage that, exactly. When we talk about homework at, at our martial arts centers, and we talk about, uh, and, I, and I'll tell you, we've done this experiment over and over and over again, uh, and I, sometimes I do have to explain to the parents. I say, look, the kid gets home, he's, he's just been in school for you know five, six hours. Uh, I recommend a healthy snack, mm-hmm. martial arts practice for 20 minutes. That activates the brain again, gets relaxes the body, and gets the uh, oxygen going. And then Excellent. do your homework. And, and I'll tell you what, every time we recommend that, it works very, very well. We always see that the homework takes less time and they get better grades. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's excellent, excellent suggestion. And, and uh, you know, whether it's going out to play ball or martial right, arts, right. whatever, you've got to get exactly. the body active because mm-hmm. they've been sitting in class all day. And a lot mm-hmm. of times a lot of the schools don't even have recess anymore outside. Right. And so they've robbed them of that. And then they sit on a school bus or in a car on the way home. They need to break out and, and flip over, stand on their heads, run around. They need to exercise that. And mm-hmm. you're right, it gets the brain uh, more active. Grown-ups do, more too, of those <laughs> right? Grown-ups do, too. You've yeah. got to get off that chair once in a while. Yep. Yeah. So you, do, you establish the schedule as to when it will be done and how long homework will be, will be worked on for. Right. Then the fourth and, and final step that I suggest is to allow the child to come up with consequences for themselves as to what will happen if he doesn't follow what he established or she established. Mm-hmm. So... Let them come up with some consequences as to what will happen if they did not complete their homework or did not sit down and, and do stuff. So those are the four basic steps that I help parents with. Once you establish that, you know what, it's a good idea to write it down, perhaps yeah. put a schedule together, help them out, and then you back off. The parent has got to back off, and it's so hard for parents to do that because they want to make sure their kids uh, you know, achieves what they're going after. Mm-hmm. They, all, they all have this misconception that my child needs to be a straight-A student, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get them there. But we're not all straight-A students right. in every topic. And the important thing is to back off and to know every item is, has one owner. Every problem has one owner, and the problem is – Getting, uh, you know, getting my work done and taking accountability for my schoolwork. But if you have two people trying to take control over one item, that's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, let's do the bullet points real quick. Let's go over that, that four, the four steps again real quick. Okay. So the first one is the supplies. Make sure that your child has adequate supplies to get the homework done. And bring them shopping so they can bring them shopping. That. Right. Yeah. So let them take all, you know, from holding the money to the hand basket to bringing them all home. Nice. I like that. I do too. Uh, step two is establishing the place. Where mm-hmm. will the homework be done? And you've got to come up with the, you know, so it's it's the same place every day. Mm. Right. Okay. Back to consistency um, again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Consistency definitely. Um, the third one is when will it be done? So you establish time frames. And you know what I've even done? Or what my wife and I have done with our kids is we establish once the child says, okay, we need this much amount of time to do homework. 
and we've established quiet time so that, you know what, if they don't have homework, they still have to keep that time reserved, and they can do anything that doesn't require electronics, like read, right. draw, yeah. write. Because if you preserve, if you carve out that that hour and a half or whatever, and you keep it, that means there's no telephone usage during that time. There's right. no DS or Nintendos. It, it keeps the reverence for that time. Because mm-hmm. you know what will happen if the child learns that they can say, oh, I have no homework. Okay, well, go play with your Nintendo. What's to stop them from tomorrow saying, well, I don't like my homework, so I'm going to say I have no homework so yeah. I can play with the Nintendo. You, you know, let me ask you something, Bill. What, what about kids that are doing sports? Let's say you've carved out a time that, that's supposed to be, you know, 4 to 5.30 every day, and then they get on the soccer team. And then, you know, they have practice, and they have games, and they have this, Well, I imagine that's, that. that's flexible as long as it's consistent, right? Right. You've got to, when you were sitting down initially and yeah. saying, you know, when are we going to do the homework, you've got to take that in consideration. The hope is mm-hmm. they're not suddenly, uh, suddenly October 1st jumping on a soccer team and you didn't know about it in advance. Right. 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 But, but even if it does, you do have to be flexible. So now what? Now, do we, now what do we do? So we have soccer on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 5 to 6. When are you going to get your homework done? And, again, the process, what works is that the child feels like they have a say in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the child doesn't determine, say, okay, I'm going to do it from 9 to 10 tonight. And right. the parent still has a say and said, you know, ah, that's, that's a really cool idea. I appreciate you offering that, but I'm not willing, I'm not willing to, to agree to that. Let's come up with another time. Yeah, yeah. The important point is keeping the child engaged so that they still own the process, but you, are, you have the final say. You're the coach. Right. You know. And the fourth step was consequences, right? Right, consequences. You'd be amazed what kids will come up with in the beginning uh, oh, for their own consequences. Themselves. They're harder on themselves a lot of the yeah. time. I they know. are. I do they are. In, in the class, where I say, okay, you guys were messing around. You owe me some push-ups. How many push-ups? A hundred. Yeah, cool. I was only going to give you ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, what you is know? pain? Frank, Frank! Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you know, there's another piece of that's important in this. It's not one of the four items, but it should be a part of it somewhere, and of not just homework but in everyday life. It, it, it goes back to the consistency. The, uh, and Mike Storm was talking about it with the uh, the media, you know, in the entertainment industry and all that stuff. Entertainment electronics should be should have very tight limits on it. That means where it can be done and when it can be done. Uh, you know what? I encourage parents to come up with what is an adequate amount of time per day that the child can play with entertainment electronics, and that includes DVDs, TV time, computer, and Nintendos. Mm-hmm. And, How do you feel about phones in school? Uh, well, that's a huge problem because schools let them take them to school. Yeah. And I don't support it, but schools no, let either. them do that. You know why? Because there's too many parents out there that are ready to school to sue, uh, sue the school system right. if they can't get in touch with their child. So the schools are afraid of those bully parents. There is nothing that would happen in the school that, where the school can't notify the parent about it's, it. No yeah, way. Like, uh, it's just crazy. They should just have all the parents' cell phone numbers and everything. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge I, – I, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is kid. There's no reason a 10-year-old kid needs a cell phone, and, if, and in particular, unless it's a safety phone and they just have mom's number in it, and that's mm-hmm. it, A, and B, it's got no place – being in school, so your kids shouldn't be texting at school. Well, wouldn't you be just the bitchy mom? I would. I'd be. Oh my god! I can't. And I'd be right alongside of her too. I, yeah. No, go. I'd be the worst parent ever. They would would just hate me. But no, there's no reason on earth a kid, a ten year old kid. Didn't you tell me, Jim, that you knew somebody just recently bought his ten year old kid a five hundred dollar phone? Uh, yeah, well, you know, we're hearing all kinds of stories. We just heard somebody that had a $600 uh, cell phone bill for uh, a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And, of course, I told you the worst case of it. This was years ago before all this stuff. Bill, you'll get a kick out of this. 
I was working at a television station where one of the engineers, all of a sudden the FBI burst in one day. Oh, and God, we thought, yeah. oh, my God, what kind of FCC <laughs> violation did we get into, right? Yeah. Turns out that this poor guy, his his he was kind of a genius, and his kid was a genius. His kid was, I think, 14, 15 at the time. And this was in the early days of computer, you know, home computer stuff. Had hacked in with one of those old-fashioned phone modems that you actually put in the cradle there. Yeah. And ran up about uh, $10,000 worth of phone bill. He had oh he placed, he placed calls on the on other people's uh, phone accounts. He had oh hacked God. into the phone company system. So, uh, well, <laughs> this ten. I was paying that off for a couple of years. Yeah, huh? 10-year-olds, they're giving them to 6-year-olds now. Yeah. Just, oh, don't even. Yeah. Six-year-olds and seven-year-olds are getting telephones. You know, when our 13-year-old was younger and yeah. she had no cell phone before her teen years and her friends would, we would collect them all when the kids arrived for a birthday party or to yeah. hang out. We'd yeah. collect the phones. And there were a, a, a good portion of parents that were offended by that who, yeah. gave, who blasted us and said, how dare you take my child's phone? And I, and I tell them, you know what, I'm responsible. I'm the adult responsible. I, I have to know who they're communicating with when they're in my home. Right. And right. so now that she's 13, she has teenage friends, they can mm-hmm. keep the phones. But at 9 p.m., I still collect all the phones, especially if she's having a sleepover. Yeah. Because ours, our, our child can only communicate with other girls. The, the house rule is no boys. Boys have to call the old-fashioned way on the home phone. <laughs> and that answers first. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, um, and only family, family and her little girlfriends, and that's it. Well, her other friends, um, we're finding that a lot of the 13-year-old friends are fascinated with 17- and 18-year-old boys, and and they're communicating with them. Yeah. So after 9 p.m., I need to know who the the children in my care are, are communicating with. Yeah. No, that, that, I really that, applaud that, you for that, Bill. That's that, that's, yeah, that's got to be difficult sometimes with other parents. Yeah. Well, but you know what? That eventually they're going to start appreciating it again because yeah. you know I've got nothing against gadgets. You know, I love gadgets, yeah. and I don't think there's any problem with kids enjoying the but gadgets. But the dinner table, well, the point is oh we, we've also got to teach them. I I don't like the out right now that people are taking and saying, uh, especially from educators' point of view. We've if they're you know, learning through texting and learning through this technology, we've got to embrace that technology. Well, you know, what ridiculous. But we've well, also I mean, got to teach them, as you said, said Bill. I think that's so valuable. That's the takeaway I'm really uh, hanging yeah, on to today. Yeah. We've also got to teach them. There's a there's a time to be quiet. There's a time for re- reflection. And there was just a report out, I think, in American Scientific. And you engage only one thing at a time. Well, American Scientific came out with this, right? If we don't have that time for reflection, yeah. our, our creativity level is dropping. Mm-hmm. And they've been measuring that in, in, in school kids, right? Well, look at they're, how many they're kids. They're problem solving. And they can't, they can't carry on a, re- a regular conversation because they're well, spending like, so um, much time you know, engaged on like, uh, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they don't have <laughs> that natural ebb and flow that you yeah. and I would have, like we're all having right now on this show, because they're right. so either glued to the computer or glued to the phone and texting and everything else that they just don't even know how to interact anymore. I think that's painfully. Bill, you like you like this one in the in our martial arts centers. We don't allow the words um, like, so, um, and if so, if someone goes, if someone go, goes, they I'm actually go. yeah they actually have I to go. move from one place to another. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I want to throw one more thing in there Absolutely. because you're right. We don't have that reflection time, the mm-hmm. the, the ability to meditate, reflect with uh, with the greater power. Um, I think the impact is. Mm-hmm. The, where we get, where we help our children get to where they're supposed to be in life, how yeah. they reach their potential is listening to the voice inside of them. But mm. if you've got a constant screen on in your life, you've got a constant earbuds in your ears, we're right. constantly texting somebody, you're going to miss out on the silent voice from within our soul that's speaking to us, mm-hmm. that's, that's giving us little tips and hints 
as to what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to be, so we can find our purpose on schedule. Because this world is filled with people who, if they have found their purpose, it was 10, 20, 30 years too late. Yeah. Amen. Why not live our life to its fullest by f- helping our kids get to their, find their purpose on schedule? Mm. Couldn't agree more. Hey, Absolutely. let's make sure we, speaking of on schedule. We, speaking of on schedule. Let's make sure we uh, tell people how to get in touch with you. And please uh, talk about that uh, about your television show real quick, too. Sure. Um, the, uh, the the book is Love Limits and Lessons, a Ch- uh, Parent's Guide to Creating Cooperative Kids. And from that, I created a TV show called Creating Cooperative Kids. It's uh, produced on a public access station uh, just outside of Hartford and is now running on 75 uh, community access channels, growing quickly. And also, it, you can watch it online. You can go right to cooperativekids.com and uh, watch the show right online through Vimeo. Uh, there's also clips on, you, on our YouTube channel as well. And lots of tips. A lot of the show is all about helping parents raise strong, high self-esteem, uh, black belt kids through high emotional intelligence. I love the branding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for the plug, Bill. <laughs> there it is, right? Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being with us, and I hope we can visit again soon. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Call on me and let me know how I can help. Sounds okay. like a plan. Thanks so much, Bill. Great talking to you, Alex. See you later, Jim. Oh, thank you so much. Hey, Bye-bye. great show, great yeah. show today, great guests. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, I, I Lots think this, tools this is power, right, it's powerful information, but you got to take it and you got to use it. you right? got to take Not action to... and make things happen as somebody I know like. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to my new Creating Cooperative Kids podcast series. If you would like more assistance with discipline and parenting, please visit my website, www.cooperativekids.com. And remember, Making the world a better place to live begins by helping our children find their purpose. All information on this recording is the property of Bill Corbett and Cooperative Kids. Copyright 2011, Cooperative Kids Publishing.